Let us bow before God for a moment of prayer. Lord, we want to hear your voice. We want to know your ways. We seek now to listen for your word and we pray for the courage to act upon what the Spirit is saying to your church. Amen. The scripture reading today comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The word of God for the people of God. The last week of January, I sat next to a woman on an airplane who was wearing a mask. I didn't think much about it at the time as we headed out to a Presbyterian camp in New Mexico for a few days of respite, hiking, reading, yoga, and an intriguing class called Paperless Music, led by an organization called Music Makes Community. The theme was a natural fit for my husband, a pastor who often sings and plays guitar during his services, but not so much for me, or at least that's what I believed. The first time our group met, before we had even introduced ourselves around the circle, we began to make music. Our beguiling leader taught us in layers, adding on tone and instrument, pulling out rhythm and words, so that when we were done with the newly created song, we were already a joyful community before we even knew one another's names. Day by day, we added to the songs and continued to weave the threads of holy, beloved, though temporary community. Recently, I recalled that experience during a conversation on what church might look like when we eventually return to common spaces, how we might do music without the use of paper and hymnals, offering without the passing of plates, greeting without handshaking, communion without touching, baptism with water and blessing from a distance, sitting together but apart. Even after the revised and renewed stay-at-home order expires on May 29th, many may be more comfortable meeting in small groups and attending worship online. We will be a church both gathered and scattered at the same time. 
not unlike the early church empowered by the Holy Spirit more than 2,000 years ago. The book of Acts from which I read in the New Testament was written by the gospel writer Luke, the author of the gospel by the same name. It's a continuation of the story. And in the 28 chapters of Acts, we hear powerful descriptions of what can happen when God-breathed power descends on ordinary people trying to follow Jesus. It's a history of the early church from the resurrection of Jesus through the date of the death of Paul the Apostle. There are dramatic stories of tongues of fire and mass evangelism and healings and miracles and shipwrecks and journeys and church conflicts and compromises, successful missions and deadly mistakes. And it all forms a varied picture of the beloved community of God's people making their way in the world, trying to figure out what the next right thing for them is to do. It's a wild ride. And choosing a story at, at random from within the book of Acts could very well lead a person to think that these Christians have very strange lives indeed, singing their way out of prison, stopped on roads by blinding lights, threatened with being thrown overboard, struck down by the Spirit, and speaking in ways that no one around them could understand. But those are stories for another day. Today, we have these few summary verses, and they are so important because in them we see a particular set of practices that nurtured their lives as Christians, as the very first Christians. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, four actions that led to profound transformation, simple actions that we can continue to do, that we are continuing to do today, even as we are both gathered and scattered at the same time. The first is learning God's word. And if you are joining us for worship virtually, you're already attending to God's word, both spoken and sung. And in addition, some of you have told me you've started to read the Bible again, and, or maybe for the first time on your own, a chapter a day in the Gospels, or one psalm at a time before you go to sleep. Jesus is revealed in those scriptures. The second simple action is what the Bible calls fellowship, which is taking the time to nurture relationships close enough that you can share your concerns and feel encouragement. We can't gather like we used to over meals and coffee, but we're using phones and computers and talking over backyard fences with neighbors to support one another. Jesus is revealed in those relationships. The third simple action to nourish faith is the breaking of bread. Today we celebrate communion virtually for a second time. This is a gift. It's a gift available to us now through technology that was not available the last time that Fairmount ceased meeting for worship due to a global pandemic 100 years ago. In this sacrament of communion, the gospel is portrayed more in actions and words that we see it in the broken body, in the shed blood, 
Jesus is revealed in the breaking of the bread and the cup of the of salvation on the communion table and on your kitchen tables today. And the fourth action is prayer. Prayers we know by heart, like our Father who art in heaven, psalms that become prayers like the Lord is my shepherd, daily prayers for one another and prayers that, that God's Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf, says for us when we have no words. Jesus is revealed, made known in those prayers. I appreciate the, the clarity and the brevity of in this time of confusion, I appreciate the clarity and brevity of those four simple things in this liminal space we are all in. Learning God's word, supporting each other, eating together, and praying for one another and our broken world. This time of worldwide suffering cannot be lived alone, and our crisis is opportunity for transformation. Desmond Tutu, writing during another troubling time, said this, we are living in a historic moment. We are each called to take part in a great transformation. Our survival as a species is threatened by global warming, economic meltdown, and an ever-increasing gap between rich and poor. Yet these threats offer an opportunity to awaken as an interconnected and beloved community. And of course, it was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who popularized the notion of beloved community, a community he saw as a society based on justice and equal opportunity and love of one's fellow human being. The King Center, founded by Coretta Scott King, explains that Dr. King's beloved community is a global vision in which all people share in the wealth of the earth, that in the beloved community, poverty, hunger, and homelessness will not be tolerated because international standards of human decency will not allow it. Racism and all forms of discrimination, bigotry, and prejudice will be replaced by an all-inclusive spirit of sisterhood and brotherhood. And that's the same spirit. The same spirit I see in the lives of the early Christians as told in the book of Acts, creating beloved community even as it seems just out of reach, weaving the fabric of equality and inclusiveness and justice in response to the voice of the shepherd Jesus Christ. We are not there yet. And we need to keep working toward justice with heart and mind and soul. But there's something else, too. There's something that you can hear around the edges in the gospel when Jesus talks about abundant life, when he plays with children, when he teases the disciples, when he attends weddings, and when he tells us to notice the flowers and the birds, it's, it's something we can easily overlook, even in the short passage we have before us today. At the heart of the Christian faith, embodied in the path of justice and central to the birth and the flourishing of the church, there is joy. Do you see it? Listen. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke 
bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Glad and generous hearts, while other translations say exuberant and joyful. This during a time in the first century when being a Christian was not easy, when being a, a human was not easy. And yet, because of Jesus at the very foundation of that community, there was joy, maybe even laughter and play and singing. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. I guess it shouldn't surprise us that there's a connection between joy and salvation. For more than 100 years, Fairmount has been a place where conversation and laughter bounce off the walls before, during, and after worship, an inclusive community where the voices of children, seniors, and seekers of all kinds are cherished. This congregation has sheltered the abused and fed the hungry, embraced the mentally ill, and found the presence of God in those whose minds have succumbed to dementia and whose bodies weaken with age and illness. You have grieved those who've gone too soon. You have led strong and sacrificial efforts to become the beloved community as envisioned by Dr. King and others, and, and you have given generously to make it so. Yet at the same time, there has also been petting zoos and strawberry festivals, karaoke and movies and Christmas dinners and hymn sings, and now a virtual variety show. You find the joy and the playfulness even in the important gospel work that you are about, even in your daily life, you want to laugh and sing and be creative while you are making a difference. And that is a strength. It's a strength that comes from God's spirit at work within you. It comes from your willingness to weave the threads of holy, beloved community over and over again. A therapist friend recently told me a story of his six-year-old daughter who said to him one day a few weeks ago, Daddy, the coronavirus is bad, right? Yes, he said, a, a lot of people are sick and, and have died. But she said, can there be good too? Because if, if I wasn't home so much, I may not have learned to ride my bike. And friends, I think even as we wonder about what's ahead and we adjust to this new and aggravating normal, which may indeed involve suffering, may we keep doing all the things that nourish our faith, learning God's word, supporting each other, sharing the table, praying simple things, and along the way, let's also find the joy and the playfulness at the heart of the Christian gospel. 
Playfulness is a spiritual discipline that uncovers God's fountain of joy within us. In our own faith community, when a violent act was committed in the presence of our children and caused trauma, we called on the music therapists and the art therapists to help them heal. And we kept singing and creating and writing and drawing and sharing. So in this time of collective trauma, we are going to need artists. We're going to need the music makers and the comedians and the poets to help us form beloved community over and over again, to help us heal, to help us play, to help us learn something new. Poetry has been speaking to me a lot lately, and one that's gone around a reading lately, I keep coming back to it. It was written by Kitty O'Meara during the time of the cholera outbreak and republished, republished during the 1918 flu pandemic, the last time Fairmount Church closed its doors. She wrote these words. And the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being and were still and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows. And the people began to think differently and the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. When the danger passed, the people joined together again. They grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. Friends, day by day, may we add to the songs and continue to weave the threads of holy, beloved community. And day by day, may God add to our number those who are being saved.